Thrive Leadership Podcast in three, two, cue music. This is the Thrive Leadership Leadership Podcast. Podcast. It's a place to connect you to nationally acclaimed leaders, their insights, and ideas on how to help you thrive in every area of your life. 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 On today's episode, Michael Jr. Whenever you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, whenever you're walking in purpose, you're on a platform, so to speak, and you're doing what you're supposed to. In comedy, there always seems to be a heckler trying to prevent you from doing what you're supposed to be doing at that time. In life, needless to say, we know who the heckler is. But sometimes he's external and sometimes he's internal. But you have to identify the heckler, know how to handle him so you can perceive what it is you're supposed to do. Now your hosts, Brad Lominick and CJ Alvarado. Welcome back to the Thrive Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Lominick, alongside the co-host, the man with the plan, CJ Alvarado, wearing his uh, Warby Parker glasses. Are those Warby Parker? They are Warby Parker. Of course they are. I mean, I would expect nothing less from you. Really? Is that a movement watch that you're wearing as well? <laughs> it's not. It's fossil today. Fossil. I'm, I'm right. a big fan of the fossil. Yeah, I'm fossil. wearing my Fitbit. You got your Fitbit. I've got multiple fossils yeah. in the uh, in the old watch drawer that Solid watch. come out quite often. Yeah. Thanks for being on the journey with us. Michael Jr. coming up here. Oh, Michael's In funny. a few minutes. This guy's funny, man. I always feel like... I always feel... When I'm talking to a comedian, first of all, I feel like I have to be funny, <laughs> which is not going to work anyway because they look at you and go, you're not right. you're not funny compared to me, so right. you're never going to be funnier than me, so why are you trying too hard? But then I feel like I have to laugh at everything they say mm. compared to just having a normal conversation. Right. You know, it's and I'm not, sometimes I'm not sure whether they're joking or whether oh, they're serious in terms of what they're talking about. Yeah. It's that fine line between cynicism and satire and just seriousness and normal well yeah you, you you're not sure if they're setting you up for something every right time, if know? i'm the punchline about, or about <laughs> exactly. to be the punchline so michael jr is one of those guys that i would rather when i'm around him i would rather just have a sign on my forehead that says i'm not going to say anything but i'm here i'm not going to converse with you right but i'm here i'm present i just need you to be funny i just need you to do your thing <laughs> You know what, though, what I've always loved about Michael is I feel like he expects some of that. He does. So he'll drop knowledge and go in a totally different way. And I love that about him. He's got such depth, and he shows some of that in this interview. It's pretty yeah. cool. How many times has he been at Thrive Conference or Bayside? He's been here a ton. Many times. Yeah. He he travels all over the country, does a lot of shows, and is very connected into the church. He's also very connected into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. He's you know He's been on all the night shows and he's traveled around doing different comedy clubs and so he's very similar to John Chris in that sense although Michael Jr. has been doing it longer but they operate as believers within the framework of getting invited to all kinds of different places yeah so you know many people would call him a Christian comic but he would not call himself a Christian comic he would say I'm a comedian that right. happens to be Christian yeah but I love the fact that he has entrance and inroads into so many different parts of society, and he does a lot of work in prisons. So he's not just a comedian. He, he's got a lot of things going on behind the scenes, and he really does care about helping people improve, find their purpose. He talks a lot about that in the interview. Yeah. So we really do love him and admire him and, and are fans of him. And at the end of the day, he's really funny. Yes. So let's get to the interview. Here's comedian Michael Jr. Michael Jr. Hi. Were you expecting more energy? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. So cool. give, give us give us a, uh, what's been happening in the world of Michael Jr.? <laughs> well, uh, I don't really have a world, but, because um, it sounds really like I'm somebody. Though. You're a big deal, man. Come on. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Cool. Well, as long as I'm a big deal, here's what's going on. 
Um, so here's the thing. I'm going to tell you something <laughs> real cool. It's kind of crazy. So I don't know music at all, right? Like, I don't know music. Okay. On a scale of 1 to 10, Tim will tell you about what, Tim? <laughs> like oh, negative wow. six. He gave you. He, he went there. Like listen, yeah. I literally don't know music. Like because I, I do stand up comedy, so there's no really point. In it. But I've never. I don't listen to music. If you look on my phone, there's no. Like I don't. I don't listen to music. So I, I haven't shared this story publicly with anyone ever. I just want to point that out. To you. I, we like that. Wow. We like when um, we get the we fresh go. stuff. So I, I don't know music at all. And uh, in fact, if I'm at a restaurant and someone says, "Oh, have you heard this song before?" I have to make myself hear the song. Like I don't know that music is naturally on. It just doesn't happen. So nine years ago. Uh, this is going to sound crazy. Uh, probably 10 years ago, actually, um, God gave me a song. I know, it sounds crazy, right? So um, I was at this church in California that I used to go to. It was dope. Nice church. Really cool. Music was all soulful. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Probably not. Um, <laughs> I'm with you. The music was like, it was black music. Like, it wasn't black music because music don't got color, but it was all. So then we switched churches. And I get there, and all the people got on, like, skinny jeans and guitars. Like and I couldn't get into the worship. Like I, it was hard for me to worship. I was like, ah, oh. and I was going through it, and I was praying, and I was like, um, and I was like, God, I can't. This is hard. And He was like, So you think this is about you? I was like, Oh snap! Mm. Yeah, it got real. So my question became. So I, I realized in that moment that you could actually worship music. Hmm. You guys are just expecting jokes. Anyway, so you could actually worship music. This is good. So I was able to separate the two. So now, I, and I got to the point where I could worship the bagpipes. Like, it didn't even matter. Hmm. And, then, um, and then I started thinking about, can you worship when the music's not right? What about, what about the music of life? Can you worship when the music of life isn't right? So then I came up with this, this, these words hit me, which was, I will worship. And then I had a vision, right? Not like a weird vision. I just started thinking about it like I would a comedy routine. So, I, so there's this lady standing, and she's singing acapella. I just learned that phrase through this process of working on this song. And the only words I got to this song is, I will worship. And the only words I got. And then I, the lady comes out, she sings acapella, and then some music comes up under it, like drums. And the drum represents the foundation of life. And then after that comes uh, a guitar, and it represents a husband. And then the piano starts to play, and it represents, um, it represents children. And then the violin starts to play, and it represents health. And all of these songs, are, all of these instruments are playing until they get to the big... Uh, Cren- crescendo. crescendo. They get to the big crescendo, and uh, she's singing to the top of her lungs, I will worship, I will worship to the top of her lungs. And then, one by one, each one of those instruments fade away, and they're gone. And so it's just her standing there singing, I will still worship. Mm. So here's the thing. I told that song to two really, really highly known artists that you guys would know, Christian artists, and they just couldn't receive the song from me because I do comedy. In fact, I started to tell them, I said, I got this idea for the song. And they're like, oh, great, good. Anyways, um, driver, <laughs> like, they, like, like whatever. Um, and then I was at this, uh, I was at my business manager's house at a Christmas party. And I was talking to Mark Harris. You know Mark Harris? He used to be in a group call for him. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Told the dude the song. And he looked at me like this. He looked at me like, and he said, you should meet me in a couple weeks. I go to his office and I walk into the office it's Mark Harris and three other or four other people with skinny jeans on. And he was like, you should tell them what you told me. And I told him, and we made the song. No way. Dude, like, we made the song. Like, I'm blown away, dude. Like, I'm blown. Like, when I say we made the song, they put words and stuff in there. I mean, lyrics. They mo- they did it for the most part. But uh, we, and then I remember, so this is the craziest part. 
Gateway performs a song. I didn't even know Gateway Church in Dallas. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't even know they were performing a song. I go into my satellite campus where I always go to service at, and this guy says to me, um, hey, I saw your name on the screen. I was like, really? For what? I walk into the sanctuary. Literally, this happens. I walk into the sanctuary, and I notice it looks different, like the lighting is different. They have the curtains open because the power is out. So there's no video coming from the main location into our satellite location, which means our campus pastor has to do the message, and they're scrambling to figure out how to do guitars without electricity, which is called when a guitar doesn't have electricity. Acoustic. Uh, acoustic. 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 Yeah. acoustic. Acoustic. They're trying to figure out how to do acoustic. The place is packed out, wow. right? And they're scrambling, and I felt like why they finally get a song playing, Amazing Grace or something, and I feel like God says, I want you to go up there and say something. I'm like, I'm just here to be at church. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, say what? I don't even know what I'm going to say. So we do another song, and I, f I feel impressed that I should go up there and say something. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I walk up there, and the campus pastor says to me, he says, uh, hey, man, pray for me because I didn't have a message ready. I wasn't planning to go up. I was like, pray for me too, bro, because I'm like, apparently I'm going up as well. <laughs> so I go up before him during one of the songs. And I don't know music, so I don't know when I'm supposed to interrupt. Right. You know how they always walk oh, yeah. up and people just know where the, the little gap is? And... <laughs> so I'm sitting there, it's like playing double dutch. I'm like, I don't know where I'm supposed to, like. <laughs> so then the lady sees me and she, she hands me the microphone. And her husband is still playing. And these words come to me to the audience. And I explain to the audience where the song came from. And I said, I think what God wants to know, because we came in here today and there's no lights, the drum stuff, not all of this stuff isn't working. The music isn't right. But I think what God wants to know is, can you worship even when the music's not right? Mm -hmm. Dude, it was crazy. So the first time I see this song performed, it's like a living illustration of the actual song. That stuff blew me away. They did the song while you were walking out? No, no, no. I walked out, they were doing a song. Then I looked at Ben, the worship leader. I was like, do you know the song? He said, I think I, I think I can do it. And we did it. And the song is called, As Long As I'm Breathing. I will worship as long as I'm breathing. It's so awesome. Wow. It's like really, really cool. In fact, I think we may have it. We'll play it on this podcast. You are the sunrise. You awaken my heart. You've given me Rapture my days. I'm in all of your goodness. I'm in all of your
when I am broken, when I'm empty and torn, when I'm caught in the crossfire of this life's bitter war, let my soul remind me just to be still and know. Sovereign, not shaking. You, Lord, over all. I will worship as long as I'm breathing. As long as my heart is beating in my chest. So you actually are a songwriter now. Well, I don't. I wouldn't say it publicly. This is the first time I ever said that, just because I felt inspired. It's crazy to see to think, because when it comes to music, I'm not that guy at all. How did they respond? The congregation. When oh, you, when worship you hit them with went that to a challenge. whole other level. Yeah, I didn't notice it, but the worship leader, the pastor, said, "Man, worship just went to a whole other place because mm. it set people free because they're doing the math on what they don't have yeah. as opposed to appreciating what they did have. Mm. So it was really kind of cool. Like it was like it just blew me away, man. God will use a donkey though, so. What sound does the donkey make? Because it'd be great to make that sound. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to not do that. <laughs> I wanted to say, God, use a donkey and then make whatever sound a donkey makes, but I'm not going to do that because it's just, it's weird. Maybe you could travel Listen, with me. I'll maybe, get out there on um, that yeah. downboard. Maybe you could travel with me and I'll just say, you know what? God, will use a donkey. <laughs> Somebody, but if you say it, somebody might think I said something that rhymes with donkey, oh which is weird, which is weird. <laughs> Tonky? Tonky, yeah, that's what it was. Sonky? Yeah. yeah. There was a guy that played in the NFL named Sonky, wasn't there? Really? Quarterback. Sonny? Yeah. Really? Oh, hey, I watched your TED Talk, which, by the way, was really powerful. TEDx. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. When was that, by the way? It was March. And that was that Nevada. was where? Where were you speaking? In, it was in Nevada. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They called and said, hey, we'd love you to do a In Reno, TED talk. right? In Reno, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They called and they was like, hey, we'd love you to do a TED Talk. And I was like, for real? Because I always wanted to to do a TED Talk, especially after I found out what it was when yeah. you called me. Um, no, I'm just playing. I knew before that what they were. It was pretty cool. One of my favorite TED Talks is the one called uh, Embrace the Shake. Have you seen that one? No. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. Embrace the Shake. Embrace the Shake. It's about, um, well, it's about an artist who uh, used to draw really well, and then his nerves start acting up, and he start, his hands start shaking, mm. so he quit art. But then when he embraced the shake and went back to it, his art went to a whole other level. It's really cool. Well, you're, you're talking, you know, it was a combination of you doing what you do in terms of comedy, but mm -hmm. also you like talking about the process and breaking down, telling a joke and yeah. connecting that to life. I mean, it was it was really powerful. So oh, thanks, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I was talking to a guy on a plane today about uh, the same thing about the parallels between comedy or just laughter in general and life, because 
comedy has a, anytime you laugh, anytime you laugh, there's going to be a setup. Like we just laughed about the donkey thing and the setup was, I don't know what a donkey sound like. And then the punchline is you started sounding like a donkey, like nobody's expecting that. So that change in direction hmm. is the revelation which caused us to laugh because nobody was expecting it. Well, in life, the setup is our talents, our resources, and opportunities. And most of the time, the direction is everyone uses it to get something, which means the punchline happens when you change the direction so you're really about giving to someone else, and ideally not money, because your setup, a great punchline utilizes the entire setup. And if all you give from yourself is money, you're only using a portion of the setup where you want to use your talents, your resources, and your opportunities. Like, nothing is wasted. Like, God doesn't waste anything. In fact, even your setbacks are part of your setup, hmm. so you can deliver the punchline. So um, there's so many parallels in the comedy and just life. So, for instance, another one, uh, oh, whenever you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, whenever you're walking in purpose, you're on a platform, so to speak, and you're doing what you're supposed to do. In comedy, when you're doing comedy and you're loving it and the audience is receiving it, there always seems to be a heckler hmm. who will pop up out of nowhere trying mm. to prevent you from doing what you're supposed to be doing at that time. In life, needless to say, we mm -hmm. know who the heckler is. But sometimes he's external and sometimes he's internal. Mm. But you have to identify the heckler, know how to handle him so you can perceive what it is you're supposed to do. So I, there's a lot of parallels. I'll read that book, by the way. Oh, that's what I'm saying. If you're going to write about that, I think there's a lot of leaders that could benefit from that. What do you tell the leaders that go, sometimes my biggest heckler is, is the one inside? I always tell them. In fact, I just did a men's event recently. And I told them they got to get their rebukes up. What I mean by that is, in fact, when we were at an event uh, recently with some NFL players, but I asked him about his rebukes. So the Bible talks about how you have to cast down every thought that is not from God. Well, a lot of men, I just did this men's conference, there was 3,000 men there. And I said, um, are, are your rebukes up? I said, how many of you guys do rebukes daily? Three hands went up. Hmm. Four hands. Mine went up too. It was like, that's it. And I said, how many of you get negative thoughts or visions of something that's not good every day? Just about every hand went up. I said, so you're just getting beat up every day mm -hmm. on a regular. I said, listen, you should be doing at least 14 to 15, depending on your situation. I said, I'll probably do 17 rebukes a day. Like, out loud, verbally, I'll say it. And I'm not all crazy at McDonald's. I rebuke you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I am speaking God's word. Like, I'm saying, Satan, I rebuke you. And I'll follow it with the word of God. So if I'm thinking, oh, I'm not going to have any money, I say, Satan, I rebuke you. And then I say, um, I am blessed and highly favored. Or whatever I want to say that counters that thought. Because mm. if you don't, you're just receiving a thought. And the thought turns into, you start to believe that thought is your thought. And then you start to speak it. And that's what forms your world. So you have to, you must get your rebukes up. At what point in your life, I mean, when did you grasp hold of that? I mean, if you feel like that's a lifelong lesson, do you go, man, I learned that at some particular point in my no, I life? I just read it in the Bible. Like, it was right there. It said, cast down every thought that's not from God. And I was like, huh. Then uh, my pastor, Pastor Robert, did a teaching on words and how powerful words are. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if words are powerful, plus when you receive Jesus, you're saying you confess with your mouth. So if you're confessing with your mouth, it's almost like, so if I can say something to receive it, that means I, I, I can just receive. So I have to be very careful. So it just, and then when I read it in the Word where it said, cast down every thought, I'm like, how do you cast it down? Just ask somebody. It's like, you just speak against it. I was like, huh, how did Jesus do it? He rebuked. So boom, I just literally started doing it. Mm -hmm. So I teach my sons. I teach all the men that I'm around. And I just say to them on a regular basis, dude, you got how many rebukes you do today? And they need to tell me. If they like do any, Because if you're walking down the mall. <clears throat> and it's a discipline. It is. Absolutely. Because if you're walking down the mall, and somebody uh, says to you, man, you're a punk. Look at you, man. You, like, you're not going to not say anything. 
You're not just going to keep walking like, yep, I'm a punk. Like, you want to at least say something. Right. Other than that, you're a punk. So you got to get your rebukes up. Love that. Give us an update on the prison stuff you're doing, because I know that's a huge passion point. I can't talk about it right now, man. I can't talk. I'm going. I mean, I'm. I didn't do it. Let me just say that. <laughs> um, the prison stuff is cool. Let me tell you what I'm doing right now. Oh, so I just uh we're doing a um we're doing a new tour next year. I'll talk about that. We're doing a new tour called More Than Funny. And I feel like God is using us to take comedy in a different direction, to use comedy in a different direction. So if you're around anywhere and you see that there's a Michael Jr. event, More Than Funny, you should really come see it. In fact, where I got this revelation about how God wanted to take comedy in another direction, I was saying this live on stage because God was just dumping it on me. And I was in Peoria, Illinois. I'm in Peoria, Illinois, and I have this revelation about switching, shifting comedy and how God wants to use me and other people as well. But, dude, and it hits me on me. You know who was born in Peoria, Illinois? Abraham Lincoln. Okay, I believe you. I wasn't talking about him. <laughs> but uh, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor absolutely unquestionably is responsible for a comedy taking a shift, a turn. Mm. Everybody says he changed the face of comedy. Mm-hmm. And I'm in Peoria, Illinois, where I felt like God is saying to me, hey, I want to use what you're doing and what some other comedians are doing, and I want to, I want to take comedy in other directions. Anything you want to say to leaders? Off the cuff? Okay. If you're sitting in a room with a bunch of leaders? Yeah. If I could only say one thing to a leader, I would say, write me a check. <laughs> um, I would say you have to ask the question, what can I give out of this? Not what can I get. Like, Look at your setup. Look at your talents, your resources, your opportunities. And then look at your setbacks. Because sometimes people give from just their setbacks. Meaning, oh, I was molested as a child, so now I want to make sure no kid is ever molested again. Well, you also have a degree in culinary arts. So you're not going to do anything with that? Hmm. So give from your setbacks and your set up. And just simply ask the question, what can I give? And then, as a leader, just as a human, you'll just be more impactful. Because you've gone through that stuff for someone else. And those people are the ones who need to receive your punchline. Boom. Good way to end right there. MichaelJr.com. That's me. MichaelJr.com. Don't go to Michael Jr. spelled out. It's a little kid selling vacuum cleaners. So it's MichaelJr.com. Yeah. (laughs) Comedy. It's not really. You guys are awesome. This is fun. (laughs) Thank you so much. Are are they playing music over me right now? Is that what this sound is? There you go. Michael Jr. You can get more information on Michael Jr. at MichaelJr.com. He was very clear on that. Don't go to Michael Jr. spelled out because that's some fifth grade kid. Right. Or just go look at it anyway. I know. I kind of want to look at it. Yeah, just go look at it anyway. But then make sure you come back to Michael Jr. (laughs) Don't get distracted. Yeah, so much good stuff in that interview. He's a really funny guy, of course, but he also is doing some great work. And, you know, the TED Talk, we talked about him doing the TEDx Talk which he dropped so much of the wisdom or some of that wisdom in this conversation. But go check out his TEDx talk. You can just go to TED and you can find it if you search Michael Jr. But it's a really good 18 minutes of him doing comedy, but also weaving in the power of the punchline and the power of the setup and, and all the things or some of the things he discussed. Really insightful guy. And I don't know about you, but when he was telling the story about the song, I kept waiting, like, is this a joke? Is this for real? And it was for real. And it's really cool to kind of hear his journey of that vulnerability, what that took, and then the result of that. Yeah. Well, he's one of many that we've gotten to sit down with. We're really blessed to have so many great friends that are part of Thrive that we get to hang out with and hopefully add value to your life and to your leadership by pulling out some of the lessons they've learned. So if you haven't gone back and listened to all the different episodes, now that we've got up many, we're not in the early days anymore, CJ. We're not. We're we have we have gone down the old interstate quite a few miles. 
So there's lots true. of there's lots of great conversations and interviews. If you want to go back into the archives, just go into iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and start listening to some of those past episodes. I will say this. Hopefully we're getting better, but the content has been good from the start. Yes. You know, we're, you know, yeah. we're finding our sea legs <laughs> over, over time. But that the content true. has been but good. the content has always been solid. When you start out with Bill Hybels as your first interview, yeah, exactly. you're going to do pretty well after that. That's right. We're just getting pulled along by That's that right. great content. Many more coming up, so stay with us. We're going to have lots more interviews, conversations. You can always find more information at thriveconference.org. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from you. Rate, review us, subscribe on on iTunes to this podcast or wherever you get your podcast. And anything else before we wrap yeah, up Yeah, and this? if you're trying to reach us, you know, you can always reach us at podcasts at thriveconference.org. If you want to ask Brad some question, you can find him. His personal email is brad at uh, nanunanu.com. Mm, I love um, that site. Yeah. Didn't they just recently get acquired by Yahoo when that recent acquisition <laughs> yeah, they was, did. They the did. Yahoo put together was <laughs> right. It was they d- bought Nanu Nanu for uh, $7 <laughs> <laughs> from GoDaddy. <laughs> right. That was a big acquisition that really got reported big. in TechCrunch. So. That's right. Yeah. We're, That's right. we're on the cutting edge of we news are, here at Thrive on. Leadership Podcast. As always, we want you to stay healthy. We want you to have a thriving church because we believe healthy leaders and thriving churches go together. Until next time, this is the Thrive Leadership Podcast. The Thrive Leadership Podcast is hosted by CJ Alvarado and Brad Lominick and is produced by Kip Johns. To download and share this and other Thrive podcasts, go to thriveconference.org.